He's been good to you if he's faithful, if you know he's working, amen, praise God. Well, hey, those of you in person may take your seats. It is so good to see you guys. And hey, shout out to our Alive family online. We love having you guys with us this morning via technology as well. And uh, man, it is a great morning to be in God's house. I don't know about you, I've already gotten so much this morning just through worship, but God's not done yet. Everybody say he's not done. He's not done. He's just getting started. And so, man, I have the honor and privilege to introduce to you. Some of you guys know him. Some of you don't. Some of you guys are newer to our church and, and have never met Pastor Lonnie Snell. But just a quick quick background. Hey, this is a man of God. Him and his wife, Ruth, pastor New Life Chapel down in Westchester, Ohio, have been doing that for, what, 10, 11 years? 11 years, that's what I thought. Yeah, 11 years, faithfully grinding, building God's kingdom. They've been portable that whole time. Wow. And we thought we were complaining, you know, after three years of portability. Uh, but the cool thing is, uh, if you follow him on social media, they are building a very own, their very own building right now as we speak. Like walls are going up and, and the vision is coming to fruition. And uh, we're so excited for these guys. But Pastor Lonnie, uh, he, he's, he's just a man after God's own heart. Many of you guys that have been to Warrior or even our Warrior Nights have heard of Pastor Lonnie Snell. Uh, he, he, him and his church and a couple other churches run that down in Ohio, uh, and we're, we're so blessed to be a part of that. But also, for those of you guys that don't know, Pastor Lonnie's a member of our board here at Alive, and so we look to him for a lot of wisdom and guidance as we make decisions and kind of pioneer and launch this church and, and continue to see it forward. And so, uh, man, I, I'm just so excited that he's here. Like, he drove all the way up from Westchester, Ohio, just to be with us this weekend, and I know he's got a word in season for all of us. And so would we give the man of God honor where it is due? Would you guys stand your feet and give Pastor Lonnie Snell a warm, alive family church welcome and get ready to receive. Amen. All right. All right. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. Hey, uh, yeah, just uh, to reiterate, yeah, we are uh, 11 years in the making a new life and we uh I always, we're, we were low, we're still portable as of right now, load in and load out. Uh, I always tell our load in and load out team, I'm like, hey, listen, Noah, it took him 120 years to build the ark. So after 120 years, you can take a break. You know what I mean? If you've been doing it for 120 years. But anyway, but it's good to be here. Hey, a couple things, okay? Uh, first of all, let me just say to, to you as a church, um, like, you don't, I'll, let me say it more like this. Um, you're doing better than you think you are. In the context of the world in which we live in, for churches to be in the place that you guys are in, you're doing better than you actually realize you're doing. Because there's a lot of churches that in this season have not made it, are not making it, but you guys are alive. Uh, you see what I did there? You see what I did there? So uh, you guys are in a good, a good place. We're all in the same boat. Uh, we've gone beyond the thought and the idea at our church to say uh, we're just trying to get people back. We just said we're restarting, like we're restarting new life. So you as a church, you're doing a great thing. To start with where you are is a great thing, all right? So look at your neighbor and say we're doing better than you think you realize, all right? All right? But let me also say this. Your pastors have been great because at the end of the day, Jesus is the hope of the world. He placed within the context of the community, the church, and then he positioned leaders within the church to lead it and to lead, like, just so you understand, I've been doing this for over 25 years, ministry, and nobody ever taught us how to lead through a pandemic, all right? Nobody ever said, hey, listen, when the world shuts down, this is what you do next. So just understand something. For you guys to be in this place, uh, God is good, 
but God has placed really good leaders in the life of your church and pastors Erica and Erica. So the Bible talks about honor. Would you mind honoring them? I mean, honestly, for real, honor them for their gracious, for their goodness, for their faithfulness, for your consistency, for your dependability, for your presence that you didn't give up, you didn't throw in the towel when it could have been really easy just to sell cars for the rest of your life, whatever it is. Now, if you're a car salesman, that's fine, but I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, it would have been easy just to shut it down and to choose another path, but to stay where you are and to stay in the place that you're in, God's anointing and his hand is on you. So, come on, let's honor them for real this morning, all right? So, you guys, thank you. You guys are doing better than you think you are. Uh, and then, let's, lastly, because we say this, it's all about Jesus. So I've been in, I've, I'm a sports guy. I've grown up in sports, been around sports, and I've been in two sets of locker rooms. I've been in locker rooms that they've lost, and I've been in locker rooms that they've won. And when you're ever in a locker room where you've lost, there ain't much activity going on in that locker room. There's a lot of whining and crying and sitting in your lockers and not, like, responding. But you're in a locker room of winners. There's a lot of jumping and praising and shouting and grown men smacking other grown men on the behind for a game well played, okay? Come on, can I get an amen to that, right? Am I, am I the only one right now? So with that being the case, we're in a locker room where we have a king that is victorious, all right? So when we show up into the life of the church, we call it alive because we are alive because he is alive. We have new life because he's given us new life. And so when we show up in this place, he deserves our best praise. Come on, can I get an amen to that? So therefore, would you know, I know, I know it's the 930 crowd and I only got like 17 minutes left in this sermon, but can you just for a, minute, a moment, can we just give Jesus the best praise that he deserves in this place today? Come on, come on, the best, the best. Okay, now listen, some of you thought I asked you to just give him a golf clap in this place. Can you give Jesus for five seconds? I mean, let the blood flow a little bit up in this place. Can you give him for five seconds? He is worthy. He deserves it. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords, seated on a high throne high above it all. Can you give him five seconds? Just give him five seconds. If you got to act like a fool up in this place, can you give him five seconds? of the praise that is worthy his name. Hey, why don't you high five? High five about 17 people and tell them he is alive in this place. Then y'all can be seated. Go ahead. I'm going to have you high five. I know for the germaphobes in here, I'm going to have you do it. <laughs> Some of you right now are like, where am I going to get my little germaphobe stuff, you know? <laughs> I can't believe we're touching people in here. Anyway. But, uh, but once again, hey, listen, it's great to be here. Um, a couple things just uh, as we dive into this thing in the, in the time uh, that we have. I, I forget. How much, where am I at? What time do I have to end? I forget. I, just, I remember you told me, but I don't remember. My wife tells me stuff all the time. Anybody else, like, you go to the store and you're like, what did she say? I know I'm going to get me a Snickers and some M&Ms. Okay. All right. I'm like, peanut M&Ms. I'm going to get it, but I, I don't know what else to get. So, um, <laughs> Anybody else? Come on, don't leave me up here by myself, all right? But, uh, but we, uh, let me just tell you something. Um, as pastors, one of the things we realize is that everything that we add on a Sunday morning uh, to you, deposit into you, we, we do our best to pray that God would give us something for you in a season, in a moment, in a time like this. But I will tell you this, at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. 
it's all about Jesus, that everything that we say is all about Jesus. If it's outside of Jesus, it's just commentary and it's thought, but really we don't have the answer to your problems. Jesus has the answer to your problems. And so I'm not a, I'm not a normal pastor when it comes to preaching. Uh, when I was in seminary, they'd say, just pick a couple verses, stay on a couple verses, give a couple thoughts, leave them with a thought as they go out the door. I'm not like that guy. I'm more like the guy that you're going to drink from a fire hydrant of verses, all right? So this morning, I'm going to throw about 1,036 verses at you, all right? So I need you to tune in, to plug in. I need you to get your phone out. I need you to get a piece of paper out. I need you to tag team this thing. You may want to do this thing with the neighbor to say, listen, I'll write as many verses down as I possibly can because I know this. At the end of the day, that the Bible says that it's his word that does not return void. You're going to forget what I say, but what I'm praying happens in this place today is that one word from God will deposit into your spirit that will forever change the course and the direction of your life. So if you're ready, just buckle in, all right? Come on, help me this morning. Like, just so you know, I drove all the way up from, from Cincinnati. I expect a response, all right? The more you respond, I promise I'll end at 1035. If you don't respond, we'll go till 2 or 3 this afternoon, all right? Because I got the mic, which means I got control, all right? So if you'll respond, the better I'll preach. Can I get an amen to that? The, the, the more you respond, the shorter I'll preach. Can I get an amen to that? Now, you know that's a lie because it don't matter at the end of the day. I'm not even into my sermon yet. No, we're still 30 minutes into this thing, all right? But here's what I'm going to say. So I need you to lean in. And what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about a thought is how do you have faith in a faithless situation? How do you have faith in a faithless situation? Because there's, we're living in a world of uncertainty. And how do you find certainty in the midst of uncertainty? How do you find faith in faithless situations? I mean, how do you have hope when everything seems hopeless? How do you find light when it seems to be getting really dark within our lives? I mean, how do you stay true to God in the midst of seasons where our life feels shaken and there's so much uncertainty around us when the doctor gives us a report, when we get laid off, when we're going through difficult times, when we're trying to find the right one, date the right one, marry the right one, when we're trying to raise kids, when we're trying to be a teenager. I mean, how do you do that in the midst of all this chaos and craziness? How do you remain faithful in, middle, in the midst of faithless situations? The Bible's interesting because Jesus said some interesting things about faith. In Matthew chapter 9 and 29, it says this, according to your faith, it'll be done to you. Matthew 13 and verse 58 says, and he did not many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And then in Matthew 17 and 20, it says that because you have so little faith, truly I tell you that if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountains, be moved, and it would be moved because of what you said and what you declared because nothing is impossible for you because it's connected to faith. And so Jesus is saying to you and I that if we have faith, that we can move mountains. If we have faith that miracles happen, if we have faith that God moves and God acts and God responds, faith is the key that opens up the windows of heaven. Faith is a key that, that moves the heart and the hand of God in our direction. Faith is interesting because we find that Jesus, there were four, four guys, four friends that brought this guy to Jesus on a mat and Jesus looks at them and says, because of your faith, I'm gonna heal your friend. Then Jesus says to a guy that was a centurion whose daughter was sick and says to the centurion that when he came to Jesus and said, you can command whatever you want, you are the one of all authority and everything is under your authority and says, all you have to do is speak the word and I know my daughter will be healed. And Jesus looks at him and says, I've not found such faith in all of Israel like this man. The woman with the issue of blood who reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, Jesus looks at her and says, I see your faith. So Jesus does, Jesus acts, Jesus responds, Jesus moves in the midst of faith that when he sees faith, it prompts him to move. So 
faith is what gets God going in your direction, but that's really hard when you've been disappointed time and time again. I don't know about you, but it's easy to have faith when all of a sudden the doctor says that you're sick. You believe he can heal, but the problem is, is when he's not healing you, I don't know whenever you're going to heal me. See, I believe that you are my provider when I got laid off, but all of a sudden now it's come to the end of the month and I don't have enough money in the bank to pay the mortgage. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to have faith when you're believing for God to turn your marriage right side up again and you're doing everything that you thought you would do and it's been a year now and nothing's changed in your marriage and you feel like you're still drowning. It's easy to have faith that when you first have anxiety and depression and darkness comes over your mind and your heart that you think, God, you can lift me up out of this thing. And yet it feels like three months go by and six months go by and you don't feel like anything is changing. I mean, it's easy to have faith in the beginning, but it's hard to have faith over time because I feel like there's disappointments. Anybody ever been disappointed? Everybody ever got your faith worked up only to find that you were disappointed later in the week? I mean, it's hard. It's in those moments where I, I, my son recently, we went through a situation with my son. And my son, I mean, it's, it, uh, he's, my third son is 6'5", 240 pounds. It's his senior year, and he's a football kid and has some D1 opportunities. And, and he's gone through some, some injuries this season and had to have surgery this, this spring that is, like, if you were to say the worst timing, the worst moment. And I remember that we've gone through some difficulties with him and just his body and just some situations and you're going it doesn't make any sense and here's what he said to me one day we were talking he said dad he goes I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and I always feel like the rug gets pulled out from underneath anybody have felt like that with God I mean I feel like I'm doing everything God wants me to do I feel like I'm showing up, I feel like I read, I feel like I pray, I feel like I ask, and I feel like I just can't get ahead. Anybody feel like that? How do you have faith in faithless situations? How do you remain true to God when your world feels shaken? How do you remain certain in the midst of uncertainty in your life? Well, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So faith comes by what? Oh, come on, and my mom's an old school teacher. Like, I need some class participation this morning. Faith comes by what? And hearing comes from? So the question is, what are you listening to? So are you listening to the problems of this world? Or are you listening to the promises of the word? Oh, I drove all the way up here. That was your tweet of the day right there. So are you listening to the problems of the world? Are you listening? Now, if you're a news person, I, I'm not throwing shame on your game here this morning, but I can't watch the news. I can't listen to the news because it's always, every time I listen to the news, I hear about the problems of the world. And when I listen to all the problems of the world, all of a sudden my faith begins to, see, all of a sudden when I'm listening and I'm seeing all the problems in my life, my faith begins to waver. My faith begins to dry out. My faith begins to drop. But the question is, what am I listening to? Am I listening to the problems or am I listening to the promises? Do I have a promise of the word? Because if I got a promise of the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? the word of God. And so I have a choice to make. What will I choose to lean into? What will I choose to hear? Because here's what I need you to know. God speaks two ways. Okay. God speaks two ways. God speaks universally and God speaks personally. So God speaks universally and God speaks personally. So, so let me say it like this. So when your pastor stand up or when I stand up and I say to my church, I say, I love you. I'm speaking universally to my church. But when I look at my wife, Ruth, and I say, I love you, I'm speaking personally. 
So when I stand and look at you and say, I love you, that's one thing. I'm speaking universally, but when I look at my four sons and I say, I love you, I'm speaking personally. The Bible has two words for that in the Greek. One of them is called the logos and the other is called the rhema. Y'all with me? Can I get an amen? All right. So the logos is a universal word. It's a universal word and a rhema is a personal word. So today what I want to talk about is how you get a personal word from God. How do you get a word that builds your faith? so that you can have faith in the midst of faithless situations. Not that you lose your faith, but you build your faith, you grow your faith, how you stay strong and certain in the midst of uncertainty. And it comes through, do you got a word from God? Do you have a word of God? So it's because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we find that the word, the logos and the rhema, so the logos is the word, the word, okay? The word of God is for the world, but a rhema is the word is for you. Y'all with me? Okay, so the word, so then here's what happens. So when I got a word from God, then the Bible tells me in 1 John chapter 5, it says this, this is the confidence I have. This is confidence I have that when I approach God, that when I come into the presence of God, that I can ask anything in accordance with his will. And I know that when I ask in accordance with his will, that I'll have what I've asked for because I'm, I'm asking in accordance of his will. How do I know what his will is? Well, I know his will because I got a rhema. I got a word from God. And so I can move with a word from God. I can live on a word from God. I can walk on the word of God. I can be certain that when everything in the problems of this world say one thing, but I got a word from God. I know that what the doctor says, but I got a word from God. I know that what other people are saying about my marriage, but I got a word from God. I know what other people say about being single in a Christian world, in, a, in this godless world, and trying to be a Christian single, but I got a word from God. I know what it's like to be a teenager in this world, but I got a word from God. And so therefore, because I got a word from God, but how do I get a word from God? I mean, remember the guy, Peter? Peter in the Bible, right? Everybody with me? Okay, good. I'm talking to the, the irreligious crowd because y'all don't know who Peter is, I guess. You're just staring at me right now. So Peter is a guy in the Bible, right? That Peter is in the boat and the Bible says that one day that it's nighttime and they see this figure walking on the water and they're all freaking out, losing their mind. They're all, they're all scared. And there in the moment, in that moment, Jesus says to them, it's I, don't be afraid. Peter then says to this image, Ready? He don't know it's Jesus. You know the story. You already know it's Jesus. Peter don't know it's Jesus because Peter's next words are this. If it's you. If. I'm not sure. Sure. I'm not certain. I think it is. I think I heard your voice before. I think that's you out there, but I'm not certain it's you out there. Just so you know, that right there, I could preach a whole series on if. I'm not certain. Some of you want 100% certainty with God before you're ever going to move with God. How about just 51%? 51%. Can I confess something? Now, I don't know if it's true for your pastors, but it's true for me. We started our church 51% sure. We didn't know. I mean, people are like, are you sure? Yeah, I think. I'm, I mean, I, I thought that was him telling me to do this. I mean, it sounds like a good idea to me. I mean, yeah, let's go for it. How are we going to do this? I don't know. I'm 51% sure. Should we build a multi-million dollar building in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, let's do it. I'm 51% sure it's going to work out. Pastor, you got to promise me. You got to guarantee. I can't guarantee the end. I just know if. 
I mean, if you're that good, you just write your own books and start your own church. Help me preach this morning right now. If some of you are waiting in the boat because you want certainty, maybe it's just if, maybe it's a step. So then here's what happens. He says, if it's you, then tell me to come. Then Jesus says to him, come. So then in that moment, Peter takes a step of faith and he walks on, oh, I set y'all up. I set you up. My bad. I, I apologize. I set you up. He didn't walk on water. He walked on a promise. He walked on the word. You can't walk on water, but you can walk on the word. You can't walk on water, but you can walk in a promise. See that when you got a promise of God, when you got a word of God, you can see miraculous things happen in your life. You try to do it in the natural, walk on water, it ain't going to happen. But if you got a word, if you got a promise, if you got God saying to come and, and do this, come to me. See, the problem that Peter had is he took his eyes off the author and the perfecter of his faith and he put them on the problems around him and he saw the wind and the waves and he began to sink. The reason that many of us are sinking in our faith is because we've taken our eyes off the author and the perfecter of our faith the initiator of our faith, the sustainer of our faith, and we put it on the problems of the world. And so we're sinking in the middle of it. And in this moment, we have to take our eyes off the problems and start putting it back on the promise. And when he put his eyes back on the promise, Jesus reached down, pulled him up out of the water, and he was able to walk on the word and the promise again because his eyes were focused on a promise. Can I get an amen to that? That's a rhema. That's what a rhema is. So the quick question is, then how do you get a rhema? Y'all ready? Now, that's my introduction. Are y'all ready to start? Okay. Tell your neighbor, buckle up. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So how do you get a rhema? Real quick, write this down. Number one, I got to commit the decision to Jesus. I got to commit the decision to Jesus. You know what that means? Say yes. Whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to say yes. I'm saying yes. Before I even ask Jesus, I'm going to say yes. Before you ever tell me what to do, I'm saying yes. Before you ever tell me how to respond, I'm saying yes. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he lean down on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He will straighten your paths out. It doesn't, so trust in the Lord with all your heart is I'm turning the decision over to you. The heart is the seat of decision-making in my life, so I'm already saying, Jesus, you're at the seat of decision-making, so whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do so therefore however you want me to respond I'm going to respond if you want me to forgive I'm going to forgive if you want me to care I'm going to care if you want me to love I'm going to love if you want me to to surrender it I'll surrender it if you want me to give I'll give if you want me to do it I'll do it if you want me to share I'll share whatever whatever you want me to do I'm trusting in you with all my heart leaning not on what I think I should do but I'm leaning into you and I'm going to let you direct my paths which means wherever you tell me to go I'll go one of my favorite verses if you ever come to me and say pastor what's one of your favorite verses I'd say Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, stop right there. It says, in view of the mercies of God. Romans chapter 1, verses 11. You're all the, you're all the 930 crowd, so I think you all can handle all this. Anybody right now with me? Okay, you guys are supposed to be the super spiritual ones. I mean, you guys, like, got up early to come to church, so I assume you can handle this. Can I get an amen to that? So, Romans chapter 1 through 11 is simply the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he's saying to them, this is, how Je this is what Jesus is about. He's all about grace and mercy. Jesus came and he died on a cross for your sins and he gave us what is the Romans road to salvation that it's salvation is not through works but grace alone that we are sinners and we need Jesus and so Paul says in Romans 12 in view of what Jesus did for us 
and view of the cross of Christ. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, to lay your life down as a living sacrifice. I love that page, that statement, because it's a living sacrifice. That means on Sunday morning, I can lay my life down, but on Monday morning, I'm going to get back up and do whatever I want to do. So I choose every day to lay my life down as a living sacrifice, and it is completely acceptable and reasonable to me to do that because of the mercy of God. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I lay my life down. Verse 2, so because I'm no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of your mind, then I'll be able to test God's will, ready, what God's will is for my life, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Somebody needs to know right now, God's will for your life really is good, really is perfect, and it really is pleasing. God's good will for your life, whatever he's about ready to tell you to do, it's going to be good for you, perfect for you, and pleasing to you. God will never ask you to do anything in your life. The reason some of you are going to say no to God throughout the rest of your life is because you don't think his will for your life is good, you don't think it's perfect, and you don't think it's pleasing. But God will never ask you to do anything, give up anything, go anywhere, serve, get, whatever it is, unless at the end of the day, it won't please you with all your heart. God will never, God never asks you to settle for less than God's best in your life. So I always tell Tina, I got four sons, okay? So I would tell my sons in the process, and I would tell, so I got some teenagers in the room. All right, stick with me. You ready? Okay? God will never ask, ready? Y'all what? Because nobody else cares. You care right now, okay? Because your dad wanted me to tell you this. Never, I'm teasing. Never settle for chopstick when God has a filet for you, okay? Which means there's going to be a lot of boys who like you, don't mean you got to like them back. Okay? So many people start dating chopped steak. Teenagers, help me preach right now. Come on. Date chopped steak when God has a filet. And God will come along and say, you need to dump him because I got something better for you. But you're afraid to give up the chopped steak because you think you're going to have less when God actually has filet around the corner. Can I get an amen to that? Parents, y'all better help me this morning at 930 this morning. So God has, God has a filet for you, and you settle in for chopped steak. Can I get an amen to that? Help me right now. Y'all better help me. There's some teenagers and some young people in here. You better, they better hear you say amen to this. Isn't it true you don't want them settling for chopped steak? Okay? How about you, parents? What are you settling for? You're like, yeah, get them. How about you? How many of you are settling for less than God's best? Because you keep pushing back on God. You're like, yeah, get them teenagers down, not settle for chopped steak, right? You're settling for chopped steak. You settle for less than God's best. And God is saying to you, listen, I, got, I want what's good, perfect, and pleasing. And if you want a word from God before God ever tells you, he's not going to give it to you unless you're going to be willing to do what he says. So you got to say yes. Look at your neighbor and say yes. Okay? Number two, write this down. Ask God to reveal his will. Ask God to reveal his will by giving you a desire. Psalms 37 and verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord first. That means you say yes, and then he'll give you the desire. Don't, don't, people will say, God gives you the desires of my heart. No, no, no. God, you delight in the Lord first. You say yes, then God gives you the desires, which means when you delight in him and you pursue him and you say, I'll say yes to you, God begins to change your heart and what it is you desire in your life. So that's when you begin to ask God, God, whatever you desire, then it says, whatever you desire in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, whatever you pray, whatever you desire, believe that you've received it and you shall have it. 
The reason I have the desire is because I've delighted myself in the Lord. And so because I'm delighting myself in the Lord, I'm desiring it. And so therefore, because I'm desiring, I'm praying about it. And I can believe that I'm going to have it because I have a desire which is connected to me delighting myself in the Lord. I've already said yes to him. Now he's changing my heart. And so therefore, I'm praying in accordance with what God has placed in my heart to pray about. Can I get an amen to that? So, so let me, so then, so real quickly. Okay, real quickly. So how do I know? How do I really get a word? How do I really get it? First of all, I understand this. The Bible says this, that God is placed on the inside of you as a follower of Christ. God is placed on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit, okay? So you have on the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is there. One of the jobs and responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is there is to guide you into all truth, to take what is from God and make it known to you, okay? So hear me say this real quickly. I grew up in a, I grew up in a church that the Holy Spirit was like, people who had the Holy Spirit were weird. Anybody right now? Help me right now. I grew up independent, fundamental, Bible believing King James only premillennial Baptist. Okay, I was so independent. Well, I was so Baptist that Baptist, like everybody else, was wrong because they weren't Baptists. All right. Then I went to a Catholic college, Church of Christ Seminary. I'm all over the place, y'all. I'm like, I'm a mutt, right? So, but here's what I say. But all my friends now are like, they are like spirit filled. And here's what I've come to realize: the Holy Spirit ain't weird. People are weird. Help me preach right now. I would say that people that have the people that are weird that got holy, they'd be weird without the Holy Spirit. Help me right now. I know y'all shouldn't talk about people in church, but I do. I talk about people all the time. <laughs> Come on, y'all know that's funny, right? So the, you God has placed the Holy Spirit on the inside. But here's what it is. So here's I'm, I'm gonna give you real quick, and you're gonna have to take pictures of this because I'm about to, we about to like ready? Y'all ready? Okay. First, understand this that God speaks. Now listen. I put, it took me about two hours to come up with this point. Can you take two minutes just to take notes? Okay, I got one person saying yes. Thank you very much for the two hours I put into this, and you're going to take notes for two minutes. Okay, write this down. The Holy Spirit, God speaks by the person of the Holy Spirit, and he speaks, ready, connected to his word. So, so, so let me say it like this real quickly. That means God will never tell you to do anything that's not in the word. So don't come to me and tell you God said, and you can't point to a scripture and a verse to say that God is connected to it. We live in a world of feelings. Nope, I wanna know what the word has to say. What does the word have to say? So then I pray, so God reveals through his word, then he also reveals through prayer. So now prayer in the word. So I've been praying about this, God told me this, okay, then show me where in the word it says to do this. So therefore now I got the word and I got prayer saying the same exact thing. And then not only that, I got circumstances. Then I got circumstances in my life that are saying something. So the circumstances of my life are also pointing me to the word and to prayer life. So therefore, I will say this. That's why I say, go ahead and ask God the craziest things. Pray about the craziest things. You go ahead and the Bible says, knock, seek, and ask, and the Lord will open the door. And if you're praying in the wrong direction, God will come along and tell you, stop praying in that direction, pray in a different direction. But then the last thing is this. God will pray. God will reveal through the word. He'll reveal through prayer. He'll reveal through circumstances, and he will reveal through your church. I tell people this all the time. When you're in a group and when you're in a church, don't come to, like, if you're sitting there and you say, well, God said, and everybody else in, the, in that room thinks you're crazy. You crazy. Can you help me preach this morning? Because it ain't in line with the word, it ain't in line with prayer, it ain't in line with circumstances, and it's not in line with what the church is saying. God put you in the body of Christ, and it's godly wisdom and godly counsel. So don't go off, like if your pastor says, that ain't in line with the word, don't think they're crazy, you being crazy. Help me preach right now. I know, uh, 
My wife isn't here to correct what I say and to filter. Sometimes she'll get, I say things and she'll give me the look, which means don't go there. But she ain't here to stop me this morning, so I can say whatever I want. Help me right now, right? Come on. So therefore, so you have to make sure it's all in line. And then here's what I'm going to say, because we got to land this plane, okay, in two minutes and two seconds. Then I'm going to say this. Then you got to listen, all right? So now as I ask God to give me desires, now I'm going to listen to what God has to say. God, what do you want to say in this moment? Tell me what you want me to do in this moment. Exodus chapter 14, real quickly, is this. Children of Israel, God gave them a promise. He gave them the promise, and he said, you're going to take you to the promised land. I'm taking you out of slavery and bondage, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. But here's the issue. They ran into a problem, and the problem was a Red Sea in front of them, and behind them was was the Egyptian army. And in that moment, now they find themselves in a no-win situation, uncertain. Where's their faith? So they did what you and I do when problems arise in our life. They started complaining, and they started talking, and they started whining. The Bible says they cried, they whined, and all this stuff, and they started crying. They're like, why'd you even, Moses, why'd you bring us out here, man? We could have died in Egypt, and you brought us out, and now we're going to die in the desert, right? And in that moment, I love this. Check this out in verse, uh, let's go to verse 13, Exodus 14, 13. Moses answered the people, listen, this is a word for somebody here this morning. It may not be a word for everybody, but it's a word for somebody. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The thing you're losing your mind over, stand firm. The Lord will bring deliverance to you today. The Egyptians you see today, well, you will never see again. The problem, somebody, and it's not for everybody, but it's for somebody. Somebody today, the issue you've been dealing with, the problem you've been dealing with, the pain you've been dealing with, the sickness you've been dealing with, you will never deal with it ever again as of today. The Lord will fight for you. Your job is only to be still. You be still and you let God go to work. Then the Lord said to Moses, and I love this. So in that moment, then it's like, okay, what does God want to say to us? And in that moment, then God says to him, tell the children of Israel, why are you crying? It's time to move. It's time to move. So God is saying to somebody today, I'm not saying you didn't have a hurt. I'm not saying you weren't betrayed. I'm not saying that you didn't go through it. I'm not saying it's not been difficult, but you've been paralyzed by it. And God is telling you it's time to move on. It's time to move forward. It's time to advance. Stop letting your past problems hinder you from the promises of God for you. But I got problems in front of me. Ready? You just stand and you watch the deliverance of God. You be still. You quit trying to figure it out on your own. You let God go to work. And when God goes to work, the Bible says, then Moses, God says to Moses, raise your staff, stretch out your hand, and the sea that divide, divided the waters that the Israelites may be able to go through on dry ground. So here's what God says. What I want you to do, Moses, is I want you to do something crazy. This ain't ever happened before. They ain't never seen this before. They ain't never seen water divide before, but God said it's gonna happen. But here's what Moses had to do. He had to act in faith, take a staff, and stretch it out to the water, and when he stretched it out to the water, then the water's divided. Y'all realize how crazy that looked? Moses, lead us through this problem. Get us out of this mess. What does God have to say? God says, let's move on. Where are we gonna go? How are we gonna get through this? I don't know. He just told me, take a staff and do this. We read the scripture in context of thousands of years later where we've heard these stories before. We saw it on Flannel Graph. We saw it on, you know, the Bible channel, whatever it is. But these people are living it real life just like you're living real life and God is saying words to you that make no sense to you, but God's word 
his prayer, the circumstances, and the church are all in agreement, then what you need next is you need a step of faith. You got to, listen, can I tell you something? You know that in the word of God, there's over 7,000 promises in the word? 7,000. You know what that means? Go get you some. Get it, go get it. Get you some. But, okay, so when I was a kid, I don't know if this is true anymore, but when I was a kid, they'd give us math books, and in the back of the math book had all the answers. Do they have that today still? They do got the answers? Okay, so I remember when, when they would give us the math books, and our teacher our teacher would say something like this. Tonight, do, you know, 1 through 15. But don't look in the back of the book until you work the problem out to see if you got the answer right. Anybody right now with me? Mm. So they would tell you, don't cheat, but the answer is there. Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. I ain't no nerd, okay? Because nerds listen to the teacher. I wasn't a nerd. You know what I did? I cheated. I went to the back of the book, found out what the answer was. Okay, now listen, all my students in here, don't cheat. Okay, I'm not talking about school. I'm talking about the Bible right now. But let me tell you something. <laughs> I went to the back because here's what I realized. If the answer's five, while I'm working the problem out, I want to know I'm going in the right direction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see where I'm going right now? I want to know that if, if the answer is a certain thing, that I want to know I'm on the right path. Because I didn't want to waste my time, waste my effort, waste my energy when the answer was already there. Do y'all know God gave you the answers? He gave you the answers to every aspect of life. The Bible says it is inspired and errant and infallible and is profitable for every area of your life. God is not telling you, yeah, go ahead and try to figure out how to do dating. He's already given you the answer to dating. God's not telling you how to figure out how to get healed. He's already given you the answer to healing. He's not telling you how to do get, figure out how to do marriage. He's already given you the answer how to do marriage. God's not telling you how to do, you know, go figure out finances on your own. He's already given you the answer in the book. So go cheat. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, y'all. That's what I tell my kids. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Because God's already given, now, come on, now don't cheat in school, but, but I'm saying like, go ahead and cheat. God's already given you the answers. God is saying, I've got six, 7,000 promises. I've got 7,000 answers to every problem you've got in your life. Get in the word and get you some. And you hold on to the word, you live the word, you walk on the word, and all of a sudden people start to see miracles in your life. Help me preach this morning. Because you're living your life on on the word of God, the promises of God, the truth of God, while everybody else is losing their mind and sinking in the problem, I'm walking on a promise. I'm not being held back by my problems. I'm walking on the promise. I don't care what you say about my marriage. I got a promise. I don't care what you say about my faith. I got a promise. I don't care what you say about this church. I got a promise. I don't care what you say about tomorrow. I got a promise. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what the government says. I got a promise. I got the word of God. I got the truth of God, and I'm going to live on the promise. I know. I don't know what the doctor said. I got a promise from the word, and I'm living on the word. Can I get an amen to that? So what are you going through right now? What are you going through right now? You need a word from God. I want you to stand to your feet just for a second. I want everybody to bow your head just for a second before I turn this over to your pastor. If you were to say to me, pastor today, I need a word from God. Like I need a rhema. I know I, I need God to speak to me 
about this situation, this problem, this circumstance in my life. God, I need, I need clarity. God is not the author of confusion. God will speak if you're willing to already say yes. Let him shape your desires and just be willing to listen. If you say, Pastor, would you pray that I get a word from God? Would you just mind raising up your hand? Just raise up your hand high so I can pray for you all over this place. Father, it's in the name of Jesus with every hand lifted towards heaven. Their prayer to you right now is they need to hear from you. They need a word from you. They're in the middle of a situation where they got a problem in front of them and problems behind them. And they feel surrounded in the midst of uncertainty. God, give them certainty. I pray that you would speak into their spirit. Let your Holy Spirit speak to them and give them the word they need that they can then walk on the word. They can live on the word. They can follow your word. So God, I pray right now that through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, may you speak clearly. I pray that when they open up the Bible, that God, the first would jump off the page and say, this is a word for you in season, in this season. And we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And all God's children said, come on, church. And all God's children said, come on. And all God's children said, amen. Come on. Go amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give it up for Pastor Lonnie. I told you, locked and loaded. Praise God. You guys may take your seats just for a second. Just uh, one more quick thing and while we're in God's presence like this and his words going forth, never like to end a uh, service without an invitation. And uh, you may be here and you're joining us and uh, you're, you're cool with Jesus. Like, you know Jesus, he's, he, he's your Lord and Savior. That's awesome. Maybe you're here and you're exploring. You've been checking, checking things out. You've been questioning what this life's all about. Maybe you're tuning online and you couldn't say today with, with confidence that when I die, I know where I'm going and I, I know Jesus and he's walking with me and he's giving me that confidence. And man, that's why we do what we do. Like, we can walk on the word, but the other thing, the cool thing in the word says is Jesus is the word. Amen. In the beginning was the word, but God God is the word, right? And Jesus is the word of God. And we need the word in every season, in every situation. And so to go through life trying to figure it out on your own when God says, hey, I, already, I already took care of that issue. I already have a person that wants to help you through this, to walk with you through that season. His name is Jesus. And all you have to do is believe in him, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you would be saved to repent and turn from your sin and go the other way. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have one most important thing figured out. I need to put my trust and faith in Jesus. Amen. And so in this moment, in this atmosphere, if everybody would just bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. And online, I just encourage you, no, no rustling around, no getting up. Respect this moment. I believe some of you guys are listening and tuning in right now. And this is for you too. If you're here today or tuning in online today, and you'd be honest and say, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't have that confidence and that assurance of salvation. And I want it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But man, I, I want to know who could pray the most exciting prayer that you ever could pray in your life. And that's to ask Jesus 
into your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's for you, would you slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for today? That's you and you want to get in on that. Just slip that up high online. Let's reverence that moment. Praise God. And what we'll do, I'm going to pray a simple prayer here. I want you all to repeat it after me from your heart. Know that God hears you. He answers heartfelt prayers. He comes in. He honors faith. And he's going to do a work in your life. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life that pleases you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.